Welcome to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. It's the classic Jesus music radio show. It's a look back at where it all began. This is Full Circle, looking back at the beginnings of today's contemporary Christian music. Now, now, here's your host, Jerry Bryant. Well, hi everybody, this is Jerry Bryant, and welcome to another edition of Full Circle, the classic Jesus music radio show, taking you back to where it all began. Now, on this special episode, I'll be talking with Derry Doherty and Steve Hendelong who are the core duo making up the alternative Christian rock band, The Choir. Along with Tim Chandler on bass, Dan Michaels on saxophone and lyricon, and Mark Bird on guitar. Derry's main focus for the group is on lead guitar and vocals, while Steve plays drums and also writes most of the band's lyrics. While apart from the group, they both produce other projects as well, as lending their musical talents to those groups. They're a part of the CCM supergroup known as the Lost Dogs, along with Terry Taylor of Daniel Amos and Mike Rowe of the 77s. The choir was originally formed as Youth Choir in the early 1980s and were part of the Calvary Chapel Christian Punk and Alternative music scene, which also included the bands Undercover, Krombacher, Ultra Boys, and 441. Youth Choir became the first band ever to play at the Cornerstone Festival, the preeminent Christian arts and music festival in the U.S. By 1986, the band dropped the youth from its name and began calling itself simply The Choir. Say, I'd like to get started, if it's okay. I went to Derry Studio here in Nashville and we had some great conversation. And one of the first things I asked about was one of their first recorded efforts, a single called I Can't Take It which sounded an awful lot like the secular band, The Police. Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. That <laughs> yeah. back then was totally police influenced yeah. in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, that was, that's still one of my, my favorite bands, my most influential bands. And so, you know, you're young and you're, you know, you wear your influences on your sleeve at that point. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a ripoff. Yeah, they used to have a real nice setup at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, where when you would play, they would record the shows. And, uh, we heard some stuff back and they recorded everything to half inch tape you know it was like really really nice recording we thought oh it doesn't sound bad we needed something to sell it basically it was for uh, Cornerstone the very first Cornerstone we needed something to sell we didn't have any product we found out we were going and we didn't have any product and I think that the undercover and all those guys had something to sell yeah they had albums they had an album out and we didn't so we thought well we'll just use that and press it up and see if we can sell for you
I can't take it. The Choir on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. And if you just joined me on this episode of Full Circle, I have special guest Derry Doherty and Steve Hindelung of The Choir with me. Now, speaking of first things, I asked the boys about the very first song on their very first album. The album was called Voices in Shadows, and the song was entitled Someone Calling. And, well, here's what they had to say about that kickoff track. Well, Derry wrote that song, so he left a comment. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, that's an old one. That was like, you know, like I said, that was drum machine time, and so... Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to do with that, you know, don't kick, don't kick, don't kick. But I was allowed to do the overdubs on the song. And I remember surprising the heck out of the, the producer by throwing a hubcap mm-hmm. across the floor when I was supposed to be doing a shaker or overdubbing a hi-hat or whatever he told me to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember his eyes big and it's like, and it sounds so good. And every time I would listen to that, I wanted to tell everybody, listen to that, listen to that, and tell the story. Mm-hmm. And here I am telling it again, which really, and, and to this very day, as a percussionist, that was the first time, like, I can do anything. I can sonically really open my mind and be creative. I'm very proud of that moment on that on that song. Yeah. Because that's all I did. <laughs> that was, wasn't the greatest experience I read. But that song's great, though, and it's got a great guitar tone, and that's a great guitar solo, too. I love that song. Yeah, it's not bad for the time. It, I mean, that's just, you know, for me, I'm not, I'm not like a big, I'm not a big lyric guy. So early on, you're trying, you know, we're, we're, we're in this situation where everything, everything is very um, ministry-oriented and, and about evangelism in particular. And uh, so you're, you know, you grow up in this situation where you feel like that the only way to validate your music is to be preachy and evangelistic and and it wasn't something that Steve or I did well we couldn't stand up on stage and command an audience by speaking like that where there are guys that did like Joe Taylor could do that um, Mike Stan from Alter Boys could do that they were you know they could have been pastors they could have been youth group leaders uh, we were not not like that we were a little more introspective and but that's you know that song was was kind of my attempt at just kind of a you know an, an evangelistic thing it was just you know just talking about not only my life but people around and you're kind of looking around it seemed like at that point music was more christian music was more about looking at everybody else and seeing what was wrong with everybody else and then trying to to give them the answer of what how to correct them as opposed to ourselves you know so that was you know that was just kind of my feeble attempt at that kind of thing like here here you guys are and you're all lost and and we have the answer which I, i do believe salvation is the answer but you know it was a little preachy I think it's a good song, but I love the guitar tones on it. I love that dum 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 It's a really good hook. The choir, or youth choir as they were known at the time, had numerous influences that were primarily from British bands, as well as echoes from U2, which can be felt all over the album. Looking back to 1985, this is Someone Calling.
the youth choir with someone calling from their debut album and a year later in 1986 the boys would record their last project under that name youth choir simply shorten it to the choir the project was a five song extended play album or ep as is more commonly known featuring musicians who would continue to play and tour with Derry and Steve for many years to come. Tim Chandler on bass guitar, Dan Michaels on saxophone, and joining them in the studio for this one, several members of Daniel Amos, including Rob Watson and Jerry Chamberlain. Here's Derry and Steve to tell us more about this next song, Fade Into You. Um, yeah, I remember Derry was sitting in the van and he was reading this book by... T.S. Eliot, and he suggested this idea that T.S. Eliot said, you don't really die, you fade into God, you know, it's like a transition, and um, I just thought that was a really good idea, and, and, that, and that I guess that, that we do that even now as Christians, there's a process, I've heard that, the process of sanctification or whatever, so yeah, that's, that's all I remember about that. Now, I'd like to make just a small correction to Steve's comment about the poem Derry was reading by T.S. Eliot. The phrase, fade into God, was not a direct quote, but an idea that was portrayed in Eliot's poem called Four Quartets. In fact, his mentor and good friend, Terry Taylor of Daniel Amos, was also influenced by the writings of T.S. Eliot, most notably the song, Hollow Man which was taken from the title of a poem written by Eliot in 1925. It was on the D.A. album, Doppelganger, in 1983, which Derry would be a part of. But <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. So for right now, without any further ado, the youth choir, Fade Into You. And coming up, I'll be talking to the guys from the choir about their early Jesus music influences on Full Circle where we're taking you back to where it all began. But when the night is gone And light is so like 
This is Jerry Bryant, and you're listening to The Choir on Full Circle. And this would be a good time to say, Hey, Full Circle friends, where are you? (laughs) Did you know that one listener can make all the difference with your support of this ministry? Now, I do this for love, and I'm sure you know that. But unless you help underwrite the next episode of Full Circle, everything's on hold. If you'd like to show your support in the most practical way, won't you use our PayPal link at the website and go to www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com. Hi, this is Derry Doherty. And I'm Steve Hindelong, and we're the choir. You're listening to Full Circle Jesus Music with Jerry Bryant, taking you back to where it all began. As my conversation with Derry Doherty and Steve Hindelong continued, the topic of musical influences within the Jesus music community came up. Both of the boys expressed deep respect for Terry Taylor and his band, Daniel Amos. First Steve and then Derry talk about the time they spent with Daniel Amos on the road during those early formative years as a band trying to make its way on the ever-increasing crazy world of contemporary Christian music. Well, of all of those, uh, any of those early artists, it would have to be Daniel Amos. And mm-hmm. Terry Taylor was a really close friend. Derry was their sound man, their roadie and sound man. And, mm-hmm. and that was really, I think, the biggest influence, wasn't it, Derry? I mean, uh, yeah, for me. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And Stonehill, too. Stonehill, I used to uh-huh. see Stonehill all the time. And got to be, you know, got to become friends with him. But it's very interesting how it is. We're in this band called the Lost Dogs now, and we're out with 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 Terry, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and our relationship is deeper and is really deep, and it's still an influence on us. And that's a, that's a pretty amazing full circle, you know. Um, I remember getting to go on my first 
really exciting tour, I got to go with Daniel Amos and play drums because Ed McTaggart, you know, he was working at Frontline, he was their art director, and he couldn't go, he just couldn't get free. And they, Tim Chandler was a friend of mine, he was in Daniel Amos, and anyway, I got the gig, I got to go for three weeks and play the drums and all those, it was like, you know, I'm playing mall all over the world, and who are the real girls, I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, you talk about exciting, and I was 25, and Terry was 35, and I remember sitting out, riding in the, the rental van, or, and um, him and Rob Watson are sitting up there, and we're talking about music that we love, and the police was playing or something, and I, I just made reference to, can you believe that Sting is, like, that old? He's 35? And then Terry turns all the way around his head, you know, because he's 35, and I thought, oh, man, that's old, that's old, you know. So, I, I mean, I just we just celebrated Terry's 60th birthday mm-hmm. on our last tour. So I, I'm just amazed at, at how long, at that relationship. But I'd say that was a, the first influence and, and lasting. Oh, absolutely. Well, I remember the first time I went on tour with Daniel Amos, and I was, I was their roadie. And Tim, our friend Tim Chandler, just joined the band, and he played with the choir throughout, throughout the years as part of the choir. He had just joined Daniel Amos, and I had known those guys for about a year at this point. Yeah, as far as working with them in the studio, I got to second engineer their Alarma record. and So we go out on the road, and we had recorded, in fact, it, we had recorded this, can't take, this live thing. And I had a cassette of it. And I remember being really excited, and I was going to play it for Terry at the right time. No, I, it was we, a different song, Terry. Oh, no, no. It was, it was wonderful. It was, it was so wonderful. That's it's right. It's so wonderful. That's right. Which is, yeah. Off of a compilation. cheesy little recording. Yeah, very cheesy. <laughs> like flash dance or something. Right, right. Well... So I had this cassette of it, and I'm going to play it for Terry because it's going on this compilation. And so Tim and I are in the back, and we're kind of afraid, you know, because we're the new guys, and, and we're in this, this uh, motorhome. And so all of a sudden I get the nerve, and I hand it to Terry. And Terry will deny this to this day. He denies this. He says he didn't do it, but he absolutely did. And I handed him the cassette, and he puts it in. They listen to the whole song. The whole band's in there listening to the whole song. Tim and I are pretty, you know, excited, and we're kind of happy about it. It gets done. The end of the song, Terry takes the cassette he ejects it he just like throws it over his shoulder in the back and doesn't say one word about it like not oh that's good you guys <laughs> nothing i mean just and tim and i are just sitting our eyes are real big you know we're sitting there going oh no you know they hated it and then of course they start laughing in a while you know but that was my first road experience with those guys let's feature one of those songs that steve played drums on during daniel amos's 1983 u.s tour from the album doppelganger which means the double in German. Here's the band's satirical look at the U.S. population's fascination of purchasing everything under the sun and leaving the consumer to wish for a mall all over the world.
Keep wishing. Daniel Amos. Hey, I'll be right back. Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. Hi, this is Steve Hindelong. And I'm Derry Doherty from the choir. And we're taking you back to where it all began on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. Now, we've been listening to the music and memories of the alternative Christian rock group known as the choir. And we now come to the year of 1986, when the band decided to shorten the name of the band from Youth Choir to just The Choir. The album they recorded that year was called Diamonds and Rain, produced by their friend and fellow musician, Charlie Peacock. It was recorded at the Pachyderm Recording Studio, owned by Dino and John Elefante. Now, John was just a recent guest on Full Circle, Maybe someday we'll get Charlie to pop over and share some memories with us. Here's the guys to tell us about our feature song, Fear Only You, from this album, which debuted on the Myrrh L.A. label. Fear is this word that is positive and negative. You know, we're commanded to fear God, but fear is sometimes negative. And I remember the, the A&R guy, we had a really good A&R guy named Tom Willett, was challenging and, and we were thinking of an, I wanted the name of the album to be Love and Fear because I thought that's what that album that whole album was about Love and Fear and he said to me that's so you're so uh, you, you know you like imagery and all that that's so boring of a name can you like look at your lyrics and find like two symbols that are in there that represent those things I looked in there and I had referenced diamonds several times and so uh, diamonds yeah, that represent love I looked and I sound we had these references to rain several times. And I thought rain is the perfect word because it's both negative and positive. 
rain is like, oh no, don't rain, or oh please God, make it rain, you know? And so that is a purple, pur- diamonds and rain, love and fear. As human beings, we're, we're always afraid of what we're gonna lose. We're afraid that we're gonna lose something. Something's gonna be taken away from us that, um, you know, that we, we go to war because we're afraid of things. We go to, you know, we do, we, we go to church sometimes because we're afraid of hell. We go to, so the idea in the lyric, the thing I loved about the lyric was that it's this whole idea of, you know, in the end, I'm not going to be afraid of anything except for who God is. I'm going to fear, and, and, and not even, I'm going to fear him. That whole kind of idea of it's all up to you, God. It's not, you know, we can have a nuclear explosion. The world can get wiped out. We can lose whatever we're going to lose. But in the end, the one I'm going to fear is you, because you're the one that holds this all in your hands. You know, no matter what human beings do, in the end, if we believe, if we truly believe what we say we believe, God holds it all in His hand. And so that was, you know, especially at that time, you know, being around like the Orange County scene, which is which which is pretty conservative politically and and, and religiously, um, a lot of people were talking about, you know. The Reagan and, and the whole thing of going, you know, being just kind of being afraid of what we're going to lose as a nation, right. and and just that whole thing of man, at some point you got to give it up and just let God do what He's going to do, right? And so that was, you know, that was definitely a, a reaction to like fears of a communist, whatever the the fear is, you know, and, and not focused on what it, we're commanded to fear God. Well, and the imagery too of the 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 San Ano, you know, when the San Onofre sun goes down on concrete power domes. You know, living in, in in that area, every time you would drive down towards San Diego, and we'd play down there a lot, so you'd drive by these two nuclear, this nuclear reactor, this facility. Right on the beach. Right on the beach. So you got the juxtaposition of this beautiful beach with this danger, very, very dangerous, oppressive thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just that, just that whole thing of, man, you know, we could, we set ourselves up here. We could lose this at any minute, but... Again, you know, but if this world is not our home, this world's not our home, what are we afraid of?
The Choir from their album Diamonds and Rain with the leadoff song called Fear Only You. Their producer Charlie Peacock had a hand in four of the ten tracks on this project, including the second song called Render Love. Charlie was the band's first choice as producer. And although many songs benefit from his perfectionist work ethic, some critics at the time pointed out that Peacock's musical style overwhelmed the record, especially with songs like Kingston Road, which would have been more appropriate for one of his solo releases. Uh, To that end, the sound of the album edges closer to pop than anything the choir ever recorded. However, Steve Hindelong's lyrics are far more complex than that which was typical for Christian radio at the time. Murr Records promoted this album heavily with ads that loudly proclaimed, The Youth Choir Has Grown Up! But a point of contention was the cover of the album. The black and white photograph on the rear of the album was the band's first choice for the front cover. (laughs) They were not particularly pleased with the final artwork, especially the color-tinted photograph with Derry's hair being a bright red and Steve's Doan a bright yellow. They were thrilled when the album went out of print. Although all their albums are still available as digital downloads at the iTunes store. Steve shares some of his feelings and frustrations when recording that album and composing Render Love. Full Circle. Well, Charlie Peacock wrote the music for that. He was producing the album. And one thing I remember about it, he was really frustrated with me, not only as a drummer, you know, but as, like I said, the 80s was hard for drummers because you just couldn't, you were competing with the machine, you know. Um, But he was frustrated with me lyrically and I was learning, just kind of finding my how to how to. And I love imagery, and and he'd say, Steve, I don't know what you're talking about. How can I help you with this lyric? What's the song about? I would try to describe it, and he'd say, You don't even know what it's about. You need to write this down on a piece of paper what the song's about. Then you'll know what it's about, and then maybe I can know what it's about, and I can help you. <laughs> but um, I did that song. I love the word the verbs. Verbs are really important to me. I've learned that in, just from in writing classes, you know, I'm an English major, you know, don't use dis- adjectives, think about the verbs, and render is such an interesting verb because it's like a reaction, you know, like render love, it's not like, it's like when whatever happens to you, whatever you're dealt, maybe it's a, you know, you're commanded to love, like render your jewels, like a bandit or whatever, you know, and I just thought that's our obligation, whatever happens, to react. I think that's a that's a uh, really proud of that song.
Render Love from the Choir. I now go back to the year of 1987 when the band recorded the album Chase the Kangaroo. And this LP was a radical departure from the upbeat alternative pop sounds of Diamonds and Rain and quickly proved to be a seminal work, not only for the choir, but for contemporary Christian music in general. A variety of artists, such as Jars of Clay, Switchfoot, and Sixpence None the Richer, have pointed to this album as a strong musical influence, and it single-handedly pushed contemporary Christian music into lyrical and musical terrain it had never explored before. Because of this, the album is listed as number 50 in the book CCM Presents, The 100 Greatest Albums in Christian Music. Unlike Diamonds and Rain, which was recorded in a scant 12 weeks, Chase the Kangaroo took six months of experimentation in the studio to complete, and even then, it was still being recorded and mixed up to the last minute before its release. The questioning and even sad nature of the album has to do with the difficult and tragic events that the band experienced in the year prior to recording. Steve Hendelong's wife Nancy had suffered her second miscarriage, and the song Sad Face was written in response. Due to the painful honesty of the lyrics and, well, the longest guitar solo that Derry Doherty ever recorded, the song immediately became a fan favorite that the band has included in almost every live set they've performed since. Here to tell us more behind the workings of this track, Derry and Steve, both chiming in on their unique approach to music. Well, just from, you know, because Steve and I have been best friends for since, you know, like 78, 79, um, and just knowing, you know, what he had gone through with Nancy and, the, and losing a baby and that whole thing, um, even though that had never happened to me, I mean, the idea of the idea of, of um, pain in our lives, and how that that is an everyday presence in, in in most of our lives. At some point during the day, we feel some kind of sorrow or pain, or something is not right. And uh, it was easy to sing because it's such a universal sentiment. Whether it's losing a child, losing a friend, you, you know, uh, being sad for our kids. You know, at some time, at, at some point, again, you just have to, um, that whole idea of God being God, and you, you have to, you know, say, it's okay for me to cry, it's okay for me to, to be sad about this, this is, a, this is an emotion God gave me, this is something He allowed me to feel. And by feeling that, maybe I can feel sympathy for someone else when they're in the same position, instead of judge, judgment. Yeah, it's funny that people, some people were really upset about that. They thought, this is a contradiction, you know. How can you be a Christian and say that it's good to be sad? Well, Ecclesiastes 7.3, sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The context of that chapter is talking about a funeral. Mm -hmm. People are at a funeral, and that's the context. And we are, human suffering is something that uh, is, that's part of the human, that's part of our experience, and that's, that's part of the plan, and there's a reason for it. So I think that really early on, um, I decided that I was just going to be honest and talk about what I feel, even if I'm wrong. I'm just going to be honest and let people see uh, my, my process, you know, as a person in ours. And, and like Derry mentioned earlier, from the very beginning with our first album especially, we were in this, this world where everyone is 
They view music as a tool. Is your music, uh, is it evangelism or is it edification of the body? It must be one of those two things, like we're using music to manipulate people. Uh, and I just never viewed, uh, neither one of us, we, we never viewed music as, or at least we grew to, to not view it as a tool, but as, a re, as an artistic reflection of who we are. I think that's really danger in the, in the context of, of Christian music, where you, a lot of times your, your venue is a church. And then you've got you've got an altar. They've got the podium up there where the pastor speaks, and they got a, two guys lift that off to the side. And then you set up your drums there, where the podium was. And there's this idea that because I'm standing at a church, therefore I am the pastor. I'm going to speak as though I'm the pastor. We're not pastors. We're guitar players and drummers, guys with opinions arguing about politics. You know, and it's it's, it's absurd to set yourself up. Hopefully the pastor, I'm expecting he spent 30, 30 hours or so studying in his study to prepare a message, you know, and, and to bring that on. And, and I don't, and I knew, I started to look at myself and say, who am I? I? I can't be preaching a sermon, but I do know how I feel, and I can make things rhyme, and, and if that's of use to, to people, then that's what, that's what we're going to do. There's a crystal in the window
The heart-stirring Sad Face, recorded by the choir. This is Jerry Bryant. Now, let me know if you listen to the show on one of my fine affiliate radio stations, or if you listen on the web, and what web address you go to. You can find out more about Full Circle when you check out my website at www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com. You can write to us at info at fullcirclejesusmusic.com. If you're sending a simple electronic mail, just send it to info at fullcirclejesusmusic.com. Remember that we're listener-supported. With the hundreds of folks that listen each week, if everyone will do just a little, we'll be able to play the classics of yesterday for a long, long time. As I come to the close of yet another episode of Full Circle, I'd like to know how you feel about the show, what you'd like to see more of. Lately, I've been doing a lot of interviews, but if you have some ideas of your own, please pass them along, and I'll see what we can do. Speaking of interviews, we're just finishing part one of a two-part episode featuring Derry Doherty and Steve Hendelong from the legendary alternative Christian rock band, The Choir. Now, on this first part, I've been focusing on the band's career during the 80s. Coming up on the next episode, I'll be looking at what they were up to in the 90s all the way to the present. In our continuing conversation, we spoke of the follow-up album they did for Chase the Kangaroo called Wide-Eyed Wonder. The story of the album comes from the life of songwriter and drummer Steve Hendelong. In the same year that Wide-Eyed Wonder was recorded, he and his wife Nancy had their first child, Emily, which made the tragic personal events detailed in Sad Face seem like a distant memory. Most of the songs in the album deal with his joy over new fatherhood and the importance of family life. Tracks like To Cover You, When She Sees Me, Happy Fool, To Bid Farewell, and the title track all contributed to this album being the most upbeat recording the choir has ever released. Here's Steve talking about the title track from that 1989 LP. Well, I was that's the one album that I was embarrassed about afterward because it was so sentimental and, and everybody that's become a father for the first time knows that it changes you and it makes you vulnerable and it you know it's hard sometimes to watch a guy since then you see a guy and like then they get all soft and they start you know <laughs> it's really annoying to other guys you know but when you're there you're there and um, when you first have a child and you, you hold it and you take it home and you realize how vulnerable that child is I remember uh, you know putting on a diaper Emily and I stuck the pin and threaded her, her skin and two little drops of blood that came out and that, that scream you know and I remember I went in the bathroom and put a towel on my face and cried just because of the empathy becomes so strong and I thought oh no now I'm in trouble because something I can't protect this child from the world and this is what parenting is and this is where you learn what the word love means and it's the closest thing to oh now I see how God feels I mean a little bit. It gives me just a little clue about what, what that kind of love is. Unconditional. Marriage you know, is your first like thing or your relationship where you're like, it's give and take. 
and it's like, yeah, if she's really mean to you for a week, then you're not going to be so nice back. It's push and shove. Whereas with a child, it's one way, and that's how it's going to be, no matter what they do. And we're still finding that out. So uh, what I'd wonder was about my first daughter, Emily, and uh, she's 22 now, and I still feel the same way. I can't protect her from, <laughs> from the world, you know. But she's a senior in college. What I'd wonder, you know, very taking a lot of information in. We just have time for just one more song, the title track, produced by Mark Hurd. For all those dads out there who have little girls of their own, who have a wide-eyed wonder about them, the choir. Wide-eyed wonder girl Staring into the sky Wondering why It's a good, great world but it turns around Never mind the ground Look up high Stars above Please don't cry Father's love Hold on tight To his hand Dream tonight Understand Wide-eyed wonder girl Staring into the sky Wondering why It's a good, great world But it turns around Never mind the ground Look up high Dancing bears Hold on tight to my hand Dream tonight, wonderland Wide-eyed wonder girl Staring into the sky Wondering why It's a good, great world but it turns, you'll see So hold on tight to me So hold on tight to me 
Wide-Eyed Wonder, The Choir. I had a great time looking back with Stephen Derry, and, well, we'll be back next time with more from the guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and let your light shine. This is Jerry Bryant. Full Circles recorded in the Jesus Solid Rock Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. Written by Russell Baum and engineered by Jeff Kane. Full Circle is a JSR production. This is Full Circle.